Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. And we're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Well, Happy New Year, Hope Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Brand new year, January 1st, 2017. We are 11 hours and 40 minutes into a new year. And you guys have all seen it. You've heard it. Maybe you yourself has made some resolutions. Pastor Travis mentioned it. Um, but we are in that season of resolutions. The gyms will be packed tomorrow, right? Millions of people all over the world are resolving with a new year that they're going to get organized. They're going to get out of debt. They're going to work out. They're going to eat healthier. Um, we'll see how that goes in our lives, but we're going we're gonna to strive for that, right, in 2017. And I love it. I am not a resolution hater. Uh, this week, my wife and I sat down, and I was like, let's sit down and do our goals. You know, I get really excited about this, and, and she kind of rolls her eyes because I get really excited about making resolutions and making goals. Um, but we do that because it's, it's a new year. It's a new page, a turn to a new page. And we're about to start a journey together, and, and we have already have this morning, just as our time of worship and our time of prayer but we're starting a journey of a brand new year, 2017. And what we wanted to do today is really make sure as a church, just take an hour and go, hope. let's see hope if we are ready for this journey, right? Because anytime you go on a journey, you wanna make sure you're ready for that journey. My wife and I have three kids and we also have a minivan and I am not ashamed. And uh, anytime we go on vacation with three kids, three small kids, seven, five, and three, we got to make sure we're ready for this journey, right? We got to go on the 15 freeway for five hours. I want to make sure my car is packed with everything we need, and I want to make sure my car is safe. And so every year before we go on vacation, my wife says, have you checked out the car? Have you taken the car to go get checked out? So I'll take it somewhere, and we'll make sure everything's looking good, everything's tuned up, tightened. I'll examine to make sure everything looks good, tires are filled up, we got enough gas to make it to where we're going, right? We examine our car to head out on this journey. And so all week our team has been praying. We've been, we've been asking God, would this be a time this morning for us as a church to examine our lives, examine our walks with the Lord as we head into a new year? How fitting is it that, that January 1st falls on a Sunday this year? So we wanted to take today and look at God's word and for each of us individually with our families, for our church, examine our lives, examine our walks with the Lord and see if we are ready for this journey or we need to tune some things up, some, tighten some things up. Because above all the goals, all the resolutions, as awesome as those may be, the dreams and desires that you and I have for our lives in 2017, as Jesus followers, our number one priority, God's number one priority for us in our lives is that we would take steps in our faith this year, that we would grow in our faith this year, that as we start 2018, a year from today, we would be closer to Jesus because of what he's done in our lives. So we're going to focus on that. We're going to look at God's word today to see that. And here's the good news is we are not alone in that. If that's a resolution of yours and you're like, I want to grow in my relationship with the Lord, the Bible is going to tell us this morning that we are not alone in wanting that. Look what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1. 
Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says this, For I am confident, this is Paul the Apostle writing to a church in the city of Philippi. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it into the day of Christ Jesus. That's a great New Year's verse to just start with this morning. That if you are a Christian in the place today, God began a work in you at the moment of salvation, and he is not going to stop until he's finished. That's a good word for us today, that we can be confident in this very thing, that the, that the God who began a good work in us will, be per, will, will, will work in us to perfect it until we meet Jesus. This is a big deal, right? Sometimes with, with these awesome big truths that we maybe have sat in church and heard a lot, we kind of tune out. A lot, a lot of times it's like the, the flight attendant who's doing the, uh, the flight attendant instructions before a flight. Like we all like don't like dial in and pay really close attention to what she's saying, right? We've heard it a million times, so we kind of tune out and we're on our phones. But what she's saying is important, and what we're saying is even more important today. We are saying from God's word that God is at work in your life today. Little old you, the God who hung the stars and knows them by name. The God who is the creator and sustainer of everything we can see. The God who gave you breath this morning and is making sure all the molecules are moving in the universe today at just the right speed and temperature is at work in your life. That's a big deal. And it says he started something in you that he will finish. So with that in mind, we're going to turn the page to a new year and turn the page in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to read a passage of scripture that I believe God has for us this morning as we begin a brand new year. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. The Bible says this, so then, I'm going to stop right there because your translation might say, therefore. And if you are a part of hope and you've been going to hope for a while, you know that Pastor Vance says anytime you're reading the Bible and you see a therefore, you have to stop and ask what it's there for. And that's really cheesy, but it's changed the way I've read the Bible. When I first heard that like nine years ago, I was like, man, that's cheesy. But I'm like, dang, now I know that, man, I changed the way I read the Bible. Because every time I'm looking and I see it therefore, I want to ask, what is it therefore? And so to really understand the verses we're about to read, we need to go back and, and look at what Paul was telling the Philippians a few verses before. So if you read verses 5 through 11 in Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read them all together today. But I'm going to tell you what they say, and I promise you can go back and fact check me in a little bit. But uh, Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 says this. It starts out by saying that Jesus is God. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped. He humbled himself, the Bible says in Philippians 2. And he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here's what it's saying. The God of the universe, this is what we just celebrated in Christmas. He became a man on our behalf to die a, a, a perfect death for our life. The baby in the manger that we just celebrated last week grew up, lived a sinless life. Eventually was nailed to a cross for us, but he didn't stay dead. The Bible says he rose again and now he is the king, the boss of the universe, the ruler and sustainer. And it says in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, that God has given him the name that is above every name. That every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. Then Paul says, so then, therefore... After all we just said about how awesome Jesus is and what he's done for us on our behalf, that he died for us, that he came to serve us and, and rise again on our behalf, Jesus is highly exalted this morning. Paul says, so then. In verse 12, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation. This is where we're going to kind of camp out this morning. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
Paul, what do you mean when you say work out your salvation? That might sound a little sketchy. That can be a little confusing, a little convoluted depending on what, you're, what, what, what teaching you're hearing on work out your salvation. So for the sake of clarity, I want to unpack that for us a little bit with the context of Scripture. Work out your salvation. Here's what it cannot mean. Knowing what we know about the whole New Testament, knowing what we know about the gospel, when it says work out your salvation, here's what it cannot mean. It cannot mean you and I work to be saved. It cannot mean that I do enough good things to work to where God says, I'm pleased with you now, I'll save you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 are some of my favorite words in all of Scripture. It says this in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one May boast. This is Paul, again, writing to a church now in the city of Ephesus, and he's saying, hey, just so you guys know, it is by grace you haven't saved. What's that word grace mean? That word grace means unmerited favor. It means you didn't deserve it, but God gave it to you. You've been saved through faith. You're like, okay, see, there it is. But guess what? The faith isn't even of yourselves. It is a gift from God. So God gave you the faith to believe the grace that you didn't deserve that he gave you. And then verse 9, just so we're all on the same page, by the way, this is not a result of what you've done so that nobody can get cocky and boast. It cannot mean when we say work out our salvation that we must muster up enough cleanliness, muster up enough good works to get saved. God's love for you and I is not based on our performance. Praise God, because my performance sometimes is poor. It's not based on how good I do. It's based on how good he is. It's based on my position as his child. Okay, so what does it mean? Work out your salvation. That's in the Bible. What does that mean? Here's here's what we think it means. We do not work for our salvation. We work from our salvation. That's a huge distinction. Only a couple letters, but a huge distinction. We do not work for our salvation. Jesus did it for us on our behalf. We work from our salvation. Because he saved me, man, I'm going to be passionate for the Lord. Because he saved me, my life is going to be on fire for the Lord. His spirit in me is going to be vibrant all over my life because he saved me. But it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. So when it says work out your salvation, here's what Paul's saying. You're not working for your salvation. You're working from your salvation. And then verse 13, he says, by the way, it's God who is at work in you. He's the one doing the work in and through your life. Again, if you come to hope, this is the song we sing all the time. You are not good enough, but Christ in you is great. That word, the Greek word, who is at work, in verse 13, when it says God who is at work in you, that Greek phrase is a present active. And I love at hope when we unpack the Greek, because you're not Greek scholars and neither am I, but when you unpack the Greek, you really understand this, this verse a little more. When it says God who is at work, that is present active. What does that mean? That means it's not that he's, he built something real nice and then stepped away from it and said it is complete and walked away and said hope you have a great life. Present active means he is constantly working in my life. He is constantly, presently, actively working in my life. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he's constantly, actively working in your life. And that's good news. So Paul goes on to to tell us about this salvation. What is this work that God is continuously doing in our lives? He could have used a lot of words, but Paul used the word salvation. And again, salvation is a word, if you've been around church for a long time, you've heard this word a lot. It might be another one of those words that we just kind of tune out on, salvation. I know what that means, but for the sake of clarity and for the sake of examining our lives today, heading into a new journey of 2017, we want to kind of double click on that word salvation. What does that really mean in the Bible? 
Because it is an awesome, rich word. And there's a couple components that make up our salvation that we're going to talk about today in regards to this passage. And these are kind of some big theological Bible words. And I had a professor in college one time tell me, never be scared of theology. Never be scared of words that you don't quite know what they mean. Study them because when you really know what they mean, you'll really be able to see your Savior the way he wants to be seen. Like, Wow, that's good. When you really study the, the hard things of Scripture and you really study these things, man, you just walk more fully in a robust faith in Jesus. So we'll unpack these words if, if they're new to you. Here's, here's a couple components of our salvation. Here's the first one. Justification says, I am saved. That's a big Bible word, justification. Here's what justification says, I am saved. It's actually a judicial term. It's from a courtroom. It means when, when I was guilty, somebody stepped in and said, not guilty. I'll take their punishment. I'll take their blame. Because of the blood of Jesus on the cross, in my place for my sin, I am found innocent before God. I am not guilty. And if you're a child of God in the place this morning, you are not guilty. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, our Lord, Jesus Christ. You did not have peace with God, but Jesus stepped in and died so that you can have peace with God. You are justified. You are saved. And that's where some of you guys just need to stop, and that just needs to be the end of the sermon for you because you don't feel that way right now. You don't feel that way walking into 2017. Man, last year was fill in the blank. My life has been fill in the blank. If you are a child of God, he calls you righteous. He calls you holy. He calls you clean. He calls you not guilty. You are saved. This is the good news of the gospel. Whether you were six years old or 66 years old, when you gave your life to Jesus, he declared you innocent, not guilty. The bad news is, is left to myself, I am helpless and hopeless to have a relationship with God. I could never in my own strength do enough good works to get to God. This is the amazing message that Pastor Vance preached at our uh, Christmas Eve services. Right? We could never get to God. So in Christmas, God came to get us. And when he got us, he declared us righteous. He declared us saved. He declared us not guilty. And that's good news. But the grace of the gospel, praise God, it doesn't stop there. The grace of the gospel doesn't stop with him just declaring that I am saved. Because I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I didn't magically stop sinning. Any sinless perfection in the room today? Anybody? For me, I was an almost 17-year-old kid, and I went to a summer camp, and I heard the gospel, and I've been hearing the gospel for eight or nine months. But in a summer camp in California, God saved me. And, man, I walked out of there feeling like a champ. I am going to be perfect. And I walk into life, and I'm like, ooh. Why? Because I struggled. I sinned. I messed up. I had thoughts. I was walking in some ways that I didn't want to walk in. Man, I'm a Christian. Why is this happening? Because God's grace in the gospel doesn't just stop with calling me saved. Why do we keep on sinning? An author, a pastor, a theologian, a guy that we quote here a lot named John Piper, who's been following Jesus for like six decades, he said this one time. It jumped off the page. He says, I'm 70 years old, and every day I struggle against my flesh. Now, that was encouraging to me and discouraging to me. It was encouraging to me because I'm like, I'm not alone. We're not alone. John Piper struggles with sin. We all struggle with sin. And it was discouraging to me because I'm 30 years old. And I got 40 plus years, if the Lord allows, of struggle. Right? This is not new. I'm speaking our language. We struggle. Last night, last week, last hour, we struggle. Pastor Vance in a staff meeting one time, 
He said this, he said, our, our flesh is never getting better. In fact, because of the world system and the world that we live in, our flesh is actually getting worse. See, we try to sometimes muster up our flesh. We try to make our flesh look good. We try to, we try to, we try to you know, work out our flesh. Our flesh is never getting better. The biblical reality is your flesh is never getting better. We will struggle. So that's why it's good news that God just didn't save us and leave us be. He is at work in our lives. A couple years after I started following Jesus, I read this passage in the Bible that is such an encouragement to me. I, I return to it about every month. I go back to this passage and read it. And hopefully it will be an encouragement to you. If you're in the struggle right now, if you could look back at last week or last hour or last month and go, man, I'm struggling. There's stuff that I wrestle with. Maybe this will be an encouragement to you. Paul's words in Romans chapter 7. Paul says this in Romans 7. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Some of you are thinking, he gets me, right? He gets me too. Verse 22, I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. What's Paul doing here? Amen. What's Paul doing here? Paul is letting us know we struggle. Paul the apostle wrote half the New Testament. He is struggling. Man, I know what I want to do, but I don't do it. I know exactly. I love God's law. But for whatever reason, there's something in me that's pulling me away. We know this is true in our lives, right? Every morning when I wake up, as much as I love Jesus, I am drifting apart from him. Why? The Bible calls it the flesh. It's the fallen part of me that's never getting better. It's the fallen part of me that I will wrestle with until the day I see Jesus. So it's great that we are justified. Praise God. I am saved. I am secure. But God's grace in the gospel doesn't stop there. The next component of our salvation that I want to talk about today and kind of land on is sanctification. Another big Bible word. Sanctification says, I am being saved. God saved me. He sealed me. He secured me. And I am still being saved every single day. Because of the life of Jesus in me, I am being conformed to his image every day. I am growing in my faith. I am putting sin to death. I am walking in more and more holiness every day because of the life of Christ in me. And as Jesus followers, you are too. I'm not all that I'm going to be at 70 years old. I pray that in the next 40 years, God just continues to work in my life and grow me and mature me. I'm not there yet. But I'm looking back 12 years to the kid that walked out of that summer camp auditorium, and I'm a different person because of the grace of God in my life. And you're a different person, not because you're awesome, but because he is in you. The grace of God in you. That's sanctification. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 23 says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is all over the New Testament. We could sit here and read verses about our justification, that you are saved. We could read verses about our sanctification, that, that God in you is doing a work in you to, to bring you to completion, to perfection in Jesus. You say, wait a minute, if I'm a Christian, am I saved? 
or am I being saved? Because that's a little bit confusing today, Scott. I know it's confusing, but the biblical answer is yes. You are saved and you are being saved. I am saved because at the moment that I acknowledged Jesus as my Lord in that summer camp auditorium, he saved me. He forever forgave my sin. I am in a relationship with God forever. But I am being saved and that God, what he has given me positionally as his child, he is working out in my life practically every single day by his grace. Charles Spurgeon said, if God gives you the grace to make you believe, he will give you the grace to live a holy life afterwards. You see how this whole thing has a whole lot less to do with us and a whole lot more to do with God? That's a good place to be. If God began and is sustaining my salvation, I'm in a good spot. If I began and sustaining my salvation, I'm in trouble, right? Because I am up and down emotionally. But it's God who is at work in us to work out our salvation. He's in the driver's seat. Praise God. So this working out our salvation. Paul says, with all that, as we go into 2017, work out your salvation. And every time I hear a message from God's word, I always like to um, be encouraged with something practical. Like we just laid a foundation of God's word with the gospel. And there is a, there's justification and sanctification. But now, how do, we, how do we walk out into 2017 today and be different? How do we, how do we plug some things into our life to, to be different and to walk in our salvation being fully worked out? So with that, as we close, I want to ask one question and kind of unpack it with a couple practical tips for us to really see God move and work in our lives. The question is, how is my salvation fully worked out? That's what I want to end with today. How is my salvation fully worked out? If God is at work in me to conforming me to look like Jesus, how does that look? Well, if you're at Hope, if you're a member of Hope, this is, this is review for you. And if you're not, I, I can't encourage you enough to go online and look up the sermon series, The Life of a Jesus Follower. Last year, uh, 2016, the beginning of it, we took 11 weeks and we unpacked what I'm about to do in about three minutes. 11 weeks just looking at God's word. When you are conformed as a disciple of Jesus into the image of Jesus, what does your life look like? It's a sermon series called The Life of a Jesus Follower. If this is new content for you, I can't recommend it enough later on this week for you to plug in and look at that. But as a, as a Jesus follower, we look at Jesus' life. If I'm supposed to look like Jesus as God is conforming me into his image, what did Jesus look like? Well, Jesus is a person who had a relationship with God the Father. He had a relationship with other believers, right, his disciples and people he walked with as he was, was leading them. And then Jesus had a relationship with the people that didn't know God at all. All throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can see that in his life. He had a relationship with God the Father. He had a relationship with other believers, and he had a relationship with the people that didn't know God at all. So you say, okay, I got that. Now what do I do with those three relationships? I have a relationship with God. I have a relationship with his family. And I have a relationship with people that don't know God at all. How do I walk in my salvation being fully worked out? What we say here at Hope is that every relationship that you and I have is developed as you invest time in that relationship. So you say, I want to I wanna, I wanna work out my salvation fully in 2017. How, Scott, how? You invest your time in a, in a few certain areas that will grow your faith. My family has multiple relationships. I have my wife. I have my three kids. I have my brothers and sisters. I have my mom and dad. I have all these relationships in my life, and they're all developed by investing certain time into those relationships. We understand this. So at Hope, we have four ways that we say, let's invest our time into these ways and grow as Jesus followers. The four times are going to be here on the screen. The first one is God time. 
That's that, that yellow icon right there. God time is this. Time spent daily alone in fellowship with God. You say, I want to I wanna walk out my salvation. I want my salvation to be fully worked out in 2017. I would say you need to start spending time with Jesus. Step one, open your Bible in the morning. God will change your life as you meet with Jesus. I'm looking at 12 years of spending time with God, and God has done amazing, miraculous things. Not because of something that I did, but because I just sat with an open Bible and let him speak to me. Let him change me. I heard a quote one time that said, if you want God's audible voice to speak to you, read your Bible out loud. I was like, that's good. That's really good. God time is time spent daily alone in fellowship with God. Say, I want to work out my salvation in 2017, Scott, and spend time with the Lord. He wants to spend time with you. Spend time with God. The second one here is this orange icon. It's gather time. That's what we're doing right now. Gather time is time spent weekly in worship with our church. Man, we, we just experienced it when the band was playing and we were praying. There's something that happens in this room when we all gather and lift up the name of Jesus together that doesn't happen if you're sitting on YouTube watching a sermon in your room by yourself. There's something that happens. I can't explain it, but I look at the Bible and say that's why they gather. That's why they're being persecuted and they're gathering. It would be a lot easier for them to pull up YouTube in the first century and start watching sermons. But they gather because God commands us to gather together because there's something that happens. His manifest presence comes here and does a work that can't be done alone. So I want to grow my faith. Man, gather with your church. Come expectant, seeing what God wants to do. Spend time with the Lord daily. See how this is building? Third one is group time, this, this blue icon, group time. Time spent consistently in community with a small group from my church. Most of you are in small groups. We have a lot of small groups, I hope, praise God. But group time is me getting in a group and getting known because here's the reality. All, there's a lot of people in this room right now. You are not being fully known right now as you're all looking at one person talking. But when you're in a group of eight, nine, ten people in a house, there is some fully knownness happening. You are getting your life on the table to other people who are challenging you, encouraging you, rebuking you when you need it. Man, it's good for us. You say, I want to grow in my faith in 2017. Man, get some people in your life that truly know you. People who have been in a group and walked in group life never say, I don't really need that. No, they are like desperate for it. It's like their next breath because they know how important it is to their faith. Lastly is go time. This green icon is go time is Time spent annually going on mission cross-culturally. 2011, I had been on staff here at Hope for three years. I've uh, been a pastor, a stu the student pastor here, and uh, I'd never been on a mission trip. Somehow I slipped under the radar, right? Vance didn't know I'd never been on a mission trip. And uh, somebody told, uh, somebody, there was an opportunity to go to Thailand. They needed somebody to lead it. So in 2011, I went on my first trip. This will be my seventh year going to Thailand. I'm telling you, and this is, sounds cliche, it changes your life. It changes your life when you are in a situation where you don't understand what they're saying. They all look different than you. Everything, the food's different. Everything is different. But you're seeing God's kingdom alive and well. It changes you. When we talk about the kingdom of God, you, you're not only just hearing concepts. You're seeing faces and remembering situations that you were in where God was moving on the other side of the world. Or on the other side of our city. You can drive 30 minutes in our city right now and you can be in a context completely different than what you're used to. You can look at eyes that don't look like yours. You can hear language that's not like yours. You say, I want to grow on my faith in 2017. Here's four ways if you began to walk in these. Man, God would radically change your life. As it says in Ephesians, he would do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. If you start spending time with him daily, if you come to this church every week, not just expecting to sit in a seat and be, and be talked to, but you'd expect God to do miracles in this place as you gather with your church family. You sat in a group and you were fully known. You got on a plane or drove across our city and you saw God's kingdom at work and alive. 
You'd be different. You'd be changed. Say, man, that sounds good. That's a nice, slick icons church marketing strategy. Listen, we got that straight from the New Testament. This is us not looking at how can we, you know, get four Gs that sound cool. How do we look at God's word and say, how do you grow as a disciple of Jesus? This is how you grow. You spend time with God. You gather with his church. You get around people that fully know you. And you get outside yourself and go on mission. You do that, God will do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. We started today by wanting to examine our lives. By wanting to examine if there's anything that needs to be tuned up or tweaked. There's anything that needed to be worked on as we head into a new year. And we saw Paul, he said, work out your salvation. What is my salvation fully worked out? Man, I love God and I pursue him daily in his word. I come gather with my church family and I lift up the name of Jesus because he's worthy of my praise. I get around people that love God and are spurring me on in a relationship with him. And I get outside myself and I'm serving his kingdom in a way that might be a little uncomfortable for me. So what's our response? How do we, how do we move on from today? My, my, my challenge to you would be to press into the truth that God has already laid out in his word and say yes and begin walking in it. Not a lot we have to think about, really. Man, what do I do to just start walking in this? God's already laid it out. He's already commanded it. Open your Bible tomorrow morning. Open your Bible tonight. Let God speak and begin to walk in these things. I'll close with this quote. J.C. Ryle says, Satan does not care how spiritual your intentions or how holy your resolutions, if only they are determined to be done tomorrow. Some of us want to wait until our house is in order to have our salvation being fully worked out, to really let God move in my life. Man, I got to wait till I get this new job. I got to wait till I finish school. I got to wait till fill in the blank. That's exactly what the enemy of God wants. God is at work in your life, presently active, right now. And all we have to do is say yes to that work in us and let him live through us. We do not work for our salvation. With all that God's done for us, we work from that salvation. Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, you are good. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we even just read a few verses this morning. God, you have saved us. You have, you have made salvation available today because of the blood of Jesus. For those of us in the room who are saved, Lord, we say thank you. We do not want to rush past the amazing grace that you gave us in the gospel, that you saved us, you sealed us. And God, you didn't stop there. You are continuously working that out in our lives. So God, right now, as we just have a time of response, I pray that you would move mightily. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would rest on every heart in this building today. I pray that every person here would do business with God. And it would be very clear from you, what may need to change, what may need to be tightened up, what may need to be tuned up as we examine our hearts before you. By way of response, I want to just ask you a few questions. Really in these, in these areas of, of different times, God time, gather time, group time, go time. Again, we see these all over the New Testament. So I want to just ask you some response questions. You don't have to write them down. Just in your heart before the Lord, I want us to all examine together our hearts in the area of God time. 
Do you spend time with Jesus daily through his word? Do you spend time? The God of the universe every day wants to spend time with us. How amazing. God wants to spend time with us. We just have to open our Bible, maybe get a pad of paper out and let him speak, let him work, let him move, let him change us. Do you talk to God in prayer? The Bible says that we are to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. Again, the sovereign Lord of the universe cares about you and everything you're walking in right now. Not only that, he asks you to to cry out to him and to cast those cares upon him. Pastor Travis said it earlier, we carry burdens that we were never designed to carry. Maybe the next step for you tomorrow is to just cast those cares upon the Lord. He's asking you to. Do you rely and reach out to Jesus throughout the day? Or do you start your day with the Lord, work out of your own strength all day, and then say a prayer before you go to bed? I struggle with that sometimes. I get so caught up in life. Following Jesus is a moment-by-moment dependence on him. Am I reaching out to God daily throughout the day? Am I asking him for his strength as I walk into meetings, as I walk into coffee, as I walk into all these different relationships that we might have in our lives or meetings we might have in our lives or relying on him? In the area of gather time, do you take seriously the priority that God has set up in his word of gathering with your church family? Do you come every Sunday not expecting a good sermon and some good music? but for the God of heaven to rain down on the place and for miracles to happen and for salvation to happen. That should be our heart. God, I'm walking into these doors and this is about to be a sanctuary for your spirit to do amazing things. And I can't wait to see it. Are you using your gifts to serve others in the church? God has gifted every one of us as believers in different unique ways to serve his body. Are you using those gifts to serve the body? In the area of group time, ask yourself, am I in a small group? Am I actively in a small group where people are knowing me and I am being known and people are challenging me and rebuking me and encouraging me and walking with me through life's troubles and is celebrating me through life's triumphs? Ask yourself, who am I discipling? A lot of people get really freaked out by the word discipling. Here's what I've always told people with discipling. Discipling is looking down the road and seeing somebody a little less down the road than you are and going to get them and saying, I want to walk with you and get you to the place where I am on this road. You don't have to be a spiritual giant. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to be a pastor. It's looking down the road and saying, who is in my life, God's place there, that I can walk alongside and raise up and pour into. In the area of go time. Have you been on a cross-cultural mission trip? Have you been cross-culturally in our city? Have you taken a Saturday to go down and serve with refugee ministries? If not, ask, ask the honest question, why? And there's, there's a lot of really good reasons why. Some people are really nervous to go on missions. Some people can't get the time off. Some people can't get over the fear of flying on a plane. There's a lot of different things that people really hold them, up, you know, hold them back from getting involved in God's mission. But again, I would just encourage you. You woke up this morning with breath in your lungs because God said yes. 
you woke up this morning with the capacity to come in here and worship because God allowed it. I think God is great enough to get over our anxieties. He can heal those anxieties. He can, he can cure you of that fear. But is your yes on the table? God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for what you're doing in hearts right now. We believe by faith that the Holy Spirit of God is doing work in hearts right now. God, I pray for the person in here who is not a believer, a person who has not been justified by your grace. God, thank you that that is available today. You died on the cross so that salvation is available. If that's you in the place today, we're about to stand and sing a song. I encourage you. You don't have to do anything special. You just say yes to what Jesus has already offered you. We would love for you to come up here and be prayed for by one of our pastors. We can show you from the Bible what it looks like to begin a relationship with Jesus. For me, it was a summer camp auditorium. God reached in the place and he saved me. For you, that might be this morning in this auditorium. God might save you and justify you and begin to sanctify you. That's available today because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did. Our pastors are going to be down here. If you'd like to talk to somebody, pray with somebody because there's stuff going on in your life, health conditions, stuff at work, stuff relationally, come be prayed for. We're about to sing a powerful song about the life of Christ in us and ask God to go before us, stand behind us, and live his life in us in 2017. So if you need to be prayed for, come be prayed for. If you need to give your life to Christ, come give your life to Christ. For the rest of us, let's just stand and worship a really good God who's worthy of our prayer.